Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are so excited for today's conversation. We are going to introduce you to Jeremy Didier, whom we've known for, we were just calculating, at least eight years. We're not really sure. We've known her wearing many hats as an advocate and a parent and a coach, um, and now soon to be a master's in social worker, where she's been doing this really cool internship, (laughs) providing ADHD classes for adults living in detention. So I'm hoping we'll get to talk about that a little bit. And then when she's graduate, she's going to be able to officially evaluate and diagnose adults with ADHD, which we're also really psyched about. But that's not really why we're here today. We're here today because when we first met Jeremy, she had just, she's the founder of a, of a new local chat group in Kansas City called ADHD KC. And she just found us, we met you, I think, first at a national conference on ADHD. In those days, it was called the Chad Conference. Um, yeah. And from the moment we met her, when she we found out that she was starting coach training, we were like, we knew we wanted her on, on our team. So Jeremy has been with us as a member of the Impact team for many years. And she's also been a parent in the Impact community. And she and her husband have been involved with us, not just as um, as colleagues, Jeremy as colleague, but, but also as clients, as people who have learned from the coach approach, who have been in coaching programs, both group and private coaching. And so Jeremy is here today wearing her hat as a mom of complex kids and kids in particular with, with ADHD and autism and a whole bunch of other fun creative stuff, right? Lots of things. And so that's the framework for today. So how do you want to start off? You want to tell us a little bit about like your journey journey, (laughs) Um, and how you came to to discover this work with impact and and its impact on you? Oh my gosh. Wow. First of all, thank you so much for (laughs) asking me to be here. I'm so excited to get to talk about you guys because you're my favorite topic. (laughs) Um, gosh, I can't believe that it's been like eight, nine, like years <laughs> since we yeah. first met. Yeah, gosh. I mean, it's it's amazing to think back. And actually, this is kind of cool. So our, our son, Theo, is it okay if I use names? Sure. If you're comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So our son, Theo, um, he's our third child. And when he was three years old, he's now almost 18. When he was three years old, he... Wow. <laughs> it was a good thing he wasn't our first, we used to say, because um, he would have been our only. As you guys know, we, we went on to have two more. So we have five. That, kids so now. that's a fi- total that's of five, good, everyone. <laughs> I know, but that's a good sign. That means you did something right in there that you were willing to go back and do it again. Or it could mean that like one of the parents has adult ADHD and has some challenges with impulse control. And then you end up having a few more kids than you planned on, um, which is actually the answer in our case. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. As my yeah, mother would call it, dessert, he, right? 
My mom. Yes. 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 <laughs> Theo was, um, gosh, we had no idea what to do with him. You know, we, he was the kid that like ran out into the street. He, he ran out in the parking lots. He jumped out of trees when there was nothing below, you know, he just, wow. He'd be up on the table. He cli- literally climbed the walls. We had no clue what we were doing. And we knew that the things that we had tried with him were not working at all. So when we went to the doctor and, and found out that he had ADHD, we were ready. We're like, okay, great. He has ADHD. What do we do next? And, you know, (laughs) and it was like 15,000 directions that you can go. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know what to do with that. And so we found um, Chad, which we talked about before. And I just needed people to talk to. I was desperate to find um, other people who had like a similar experience whose house looked a little bit like our house because a lot of my friends had kids that weren't, you know, literally climbing the walls or jumping out of trees and breaking their arms or or punching walls every now and then, you know, and and uh, we didn't talk about those things very much back then. It's amazing to think about how much has changed just in the past mm-hmm. like 15 years, truly. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I started the, the ADHD KC, the Chad group in Kansas City, purely selfishly, so I could have a group of other parents who hopefully were having a, a similar experience to what we were having, and they were. And as time went on and we got Theo's ADHD managed, I was diagnosed with ADHD, but Theo still had other stuff going on. And he, um, he was later diagnosed with autism and dysgraphia. And so at that point, I had stopped working full time. I was, I was in pharmaceutical sales and marketing for a long time. And I thought, you know what? Everyone's doing ADHD coaching. <laughs> what is this thing? Out. Yeah, it was a, kind of an alternative, not necessarily an alternative to therapy for um, kids with ADHD, but a good support, um, particularly for kids who had challenges with executive function. And at the time, I thought that I would just get the knowledge just to help Theo. So I had more information to help Theo. And then I went to the Chad conference and I met you guys and kind of the rest is history. But <laughs> yeah, so that's kind so, of how, so, how so when you met it, when you met Impact, right? So you had heard about ADHD coaching. By this point, I believe you had already started your own training, right? Yes, yeah, so I was already in school. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was it that got your attention? What made it different? About coaching? Well, about impact. I mean, you yeah, found us uh, and you were like, we, so everybody needs to know it yeah. was a mutual love affair from, from, yeah, from day from one. Day one. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. Um, gosh, I think really the thing that stood out for me was that so many people had told me what was wrong with my kid. And you guys were uh, one of the first people who asked what my kid did well and what mm-hmm. I loved about my kid and what his strengths were. And that meant the world to me. And I could, I didn't even realize that I was kind of looking at him, you know, through a negative lens and seeing kind of the challenges, only the challenges, you know, only the the things that we were going to struggle with until I met you guys. And, and part of, you know, getting to learn from you and, and, and take some, some classes and be a, a client of, of yours. I'm not making a whole lot of sense, but you understand what I'm saying <laughs> is, you know, the, the whole idea that, um, I can change myself and I can figure out a way to be a better parent because I, I knew that what we were doing wasn't working and I didn't want to be a yeller because my mom was a yeller and I hated it every time I yelled <laughs> and I didn't want to be angry all the time. And I want to, when we first did the, the tone of the home workshop, I think, and this, I found this to be true 
anytime I do that workshop, people just burst into tears, you know, and we talk about what do you want your kids to say when they come home with their spouse and their, or their partner and their kids, you know, your grandkids, you know, 15, 10 years from now, however long it'll be. Do you want them to say that, that they remember growing up in a, in a place that was fun and there was love and happiness and joy. And I just remember like bursting into tears because I didn't think at that point in our lives that our kids could say that. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, you guys, you guys gave joy. I mean, <laughs> you gave us a chance to, to be better people and better parents. And yeah, so I think that's the primary thing that stood out to me. That and then um, talking about the developmental delay, you know, that's any time that <laughs> I get frustrated with my kids, even now, and I have four of the five now have been diagnosed with ADHD, which is another story altogether. But anytime I get frustrated with them, and it's really easy to forget, particularly when they look like adults, you know, my 20 year old, you know, still functionally in a lot of areas is more like 16 or 15. And so she's in college, <laughs> but there's definitely times where I'm like, Urgh! and uh, then I have to take I a step back. Oh, okay. This is exactly where you're supposed to be for where you are developmentally because of your ADHD. And I would not have known that. I would not have been able to change that story in my head if I hadn't learned that from you guys. Well, let me just kind of clarify a little bit for folks who haven't heard this before, but, you know, kids with ADHD, particularly, and some of the other executive function challenges are often what the language is 30% behind, which in younger kids is three to five years. And so if you look at it in some areas of executive mm-hmm. function development in terms of self-management and things like that. And so if you're looking at an 18-year-old and you subtract three or four years, mm-hmm. you know they may have some executive function skills that are more like a 14-year-old or even a 13-year-old. So, but here's what jumps out at me by what you said. And th- thanks for that clarification, Diane. I think it helps set the, t- the context because you're saying, I wouldn't have known that. And it's in the literature, right? Like, yeah. there's all kinds of things that we learn about ADHD mm-hmm. or anxiety or all of these different issues our kids have, autism. We can read what's in the books or what's in the, te- mm-hmm. you know, in the DSM or whatever, but yeah. how it actually sure. shows up in life is the piece yeah. that is often missed, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's not just that, but it's, it's sort of it's those little snippets, right? It's just sort of, I can't tell you how many, the language we use is the three to five challenge. Take the three to five challenge, right? Mm-hmm. It's stuff like right. that, that, you know, you don't read in the books. It's just right. that you sort of, oh my gosh, three to five years. That's just it's a lot. It's <laughs> onto. It's, and it's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And that, that truly has been the thing that has made the most difference for, I think, both Brian and I overall. Um, usually when one of us is getting upset, the other one will say, remember, he's functionally, you know, whatever age. And we're like, oh, okay. And we're able to like set more realistic expectations and kind of let go of, of whatever it was we thought he should be doing <laughs> by this point in time. And anytime we say should, you know, then that's always a red flag because we're all trying hard not to shit all over ourselves, as we say. So, Well, and the other thing that that jumps out as I'm hearing you is that like you didn't do this for a month or three months or even six months, right? You've been doing this for years. Like you and Brian have been in this community doing the work, getting the support. Now, yes, you had multiple kids to support over the years. <laughs> the challenges, yes. We were born for this, right? right. Or our kids were born for us but, to be in but, this work. But, you know, things are always changing and growing and we're always trying to adapt to where our kids are. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get my head around the fact that you were an angry yelling mom. Like, I can't see you in that context at all, right? Because you're such a, like, joyful person. Um, but it's, so there are layers and layers and layers of work that, that you've done over the years, right? There was that start and then 
it's not like you came in and you left. So why did you stay? Oh, oh gosh. Why did I stay? Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, I, well, we have all these kids, right? And um, just because they're like growing up doesn't mean that they're done, you know, <laughs> even our 22 year old who is likely neurotypical through and through, you know, still has challenges and still comes to, I mean, like most parents, you know, you, you never stop being a parent. So your, your kids are, are constantly growing and changing and facing new opportunities and, and new things that challenge them and our kids with uh, complex needs. Yeah, I'm what Theo is doing great. He's doing absolutely great. We had to have his test done again for him to go to college, not this coming year, but the next year. He has to like recertify that he has ADHD and autism still. Right. And as I right, was somehow the they're going to grow out of it. Right. 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 But it was so, it was really a powerful thing to fill out like all the rating scales and think about what I put on all those rating scales, you know, 15, 10 years ago when we had to do this and how much he has grown. If you didn't know the history and if you were just looking at the rating scales on some of them, you probably, you know, couldn't actually tell that he had challenges in some areas. Mm -hmm. He still does. He absolutely still does. He still qualifies for everything, but that work keeps going. Yeah. It keeps going. And if he, if he goes to college and he's able to live in a dorm, he's going to run into some challenges there too. And so, you know, particularly we have like an older kids group or a parents of older kids group and a young adults group now. And I need that insight. I need to know, cause I am my own worst enemy. <laughs> you know, I am, well, I'm also, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that to me is like one of the most fascinating things about the work that we do is just how universal it is. You know, it's like, I've got, you know, a mom in my group, who has a kid who's four and she's struggling with. And I have a mom in another group who has a kid who's 33 and she's struggling with them. And it's just this sort of, the work is on some level the same, regardless of whether they're 33 or 33. The problem is different. It looks very, very different. It feels very different. It, you approach it on some level kind of differently, but underneath it, it's, it's the same. This is a person or a child with an executive function challenge. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so I'm going to have a little coaching moment here, if I may, because I heard you say I'm my own worst enemy, right? And, you know, so what the coaching reframe of that, there are a lot of ways that you could reframe mm-hmm. that, but there's something in that because you're also your greatest advocate and your greatest support. And you have been able to do this work because you stepped in and you leaned in. So if you were to rephrase that, how would you label yourself? I am my own best learning experience. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And I'm guessing, Jeremy, that all of this adventure, I mean, you mentioned just kind of very quickly in passing, oh, and I'm an adult who was diagnosed with ADHD. (laughs) I mean, there's a whole layer to that complexity. I mean, there's so many places I want to talk about with you, right? But one of them might be, I mean, what's it like for you as a mom with impulse issues, whatever your challenges are as an adult, kind of navigating this? And what are the tools that you lean into the most that are helpful for you? Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm still figuring that out. No, I have been really, really fortunate that we've been able to like outsource a lot of things. And I've been able to put all kinds of like systems and structures in place. Um, to, to kind of help me organize my life. I think even if I didn't have ADHD, having five kids would be a stretch um, in terms of executive function. But just, I mean, just doing this work as well and knowing that a lot of the things that, that I do, that I have done, there's a reason behind that. I mean, it's never an excuse. It's an, ex- an explanation. But just knowing that this is a symptom of my ADHD and this is how my ADHD manifests in my life 
it makes it so much easier for me to forgive myself and to kind of shift that perspective to something more positive, like, okay, you know, and I don't internalize it as much as I used to. What we've talked about this before with girls and women and that the whole concept of rejection sensitive dysphoria, you know, where sometimes you you mess up and you say, I'm a bad person right. up, instead of I messed up. Okay, well, next time <laughs> I'll try something differently. You know, it takes a long time to get to the, even that shift. So yeah, just, I mean, just doing this work, that's why I'm so passionate about girls and women getting diagnosed, even if they, they think they already have it or they have absolutely no clue because that whole piece of shame and internalizing and, and the depression and anxiety and all the stuff that comes along with not getting diagnosed is just so harmful. So yeah, yeah. so that's been my, my journey as an, as an adult woman with ADHD. And it's well, it funny like- because <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, my, um, we were going to touch on my, my internship a little bit because I'm getting my master's in social work. And my, my internship has been at the Johnson County Correctional Facility. And I've had two different female supervisors and I've diagnosed both of them with ADHD. And so just, yeah, it makes me feel really good to know that I can make a difference, even though it's tiny. <laughs> well, and the thing that I'm hearing underneath is this sort of, a lot of times people will think they have executive function challenges or they, or they go through the process when their kids go through the process, they get diagnosed. And then there's this, aha, oh, my life makes perfect sense. And then there's this thing of shame that shows up. And it it's just sort of, I don't know how to be with the fact that my brain works different, especially when I've got to hold the bar for my kids. I got to help my kids. I got to be a good role model for my kids. I mean, all of that stuff kind of wraps in there. Mm-hmm. What's the, I mean, I think that that's the question is like the moms out there, the dads out there with ADHD that are hungry for what do I, what do I stand on that helps me to feel okay while I'm struggling with his parenting? What, what do you say to them? Gosh, um, I should ask Elaine the same question. You're dealing with the same thing, right? Yeah, you get to go first, Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I think it's several things. I think you know, having a supportive partner is helpful, and a supportive partner that uh, and or co-parent that understands ADHD and understands that the things that that I do are not intentional. <laughs> I'm not deliberately trying to make his life difficult. You know, I've been and so is willing to, to do his strong, own work, right? And is also willing to do his own work, right? That was huge. Yes, definitely, definitely. And and we can go a whole different direction with partners who have ADHD and and those who don't and are the executive function for a whole family. But where was I going with this? Oh, I mean, just a strong community of amazing women also. I mean, some who have ADHD and some who don't, but all of whom are versed in resilience and, you know, mental health and self-care and you know, just kind of letting go. And, and you know, we, as you talk about, you know, doing enough, you know, this is enough. I think perfectionism is something that a lot of moms with ADHD struggle with. And yeah. once you can figure out that, oh, it doesn't exist you know, and no one's actually keeping score, it makes it a lot easier to just kind of relax and, and do what you need to do to take care of yourself and your family. I think COVID actually, in a lot of ways, made it easier to kind of um, take a step back and kind of let your hair down a little bit and, you know, hide the messes or not hide the messes <laughs> and focus on your priorities or yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, so, so here's what's coming up as I'm hearing it, because, you know, I was a late diagnosis adult mm-hmm. with ADD, right. And by all three of my kids, like dominoes have been diagnosed at some points, like, okay, it can't just be my husband's neurology. Um, <laughs> but what's interesting in my experience was that I had been treated for never diagnosed with, but treated for anxiety for years and it had always helped a little bit, but not a lot, you know, and I'd done talk therapy and medicine, all this, nothing had really helped. And it wasn't until I was diagnosed with ADHD and treated for ADHD mm-hmm. that my anxiety symptoms 
went away or went down because there's a lot of anxiety that happens when the world's trying to tell you to do what you think you should do and you can't get yourself to do it. It's going to make you anxious, right? That's a lot of the perfectionism. And so I'm thinking about the whole issue of, of diagnosis and what you're saying is how important it is and how hard it can be, particularly for girls. Like I, I got a psych ed evaluation from a, a friend recently asked me to look at it. And I believe in reading this entire you know 15-page report that they didn't even consider ADHD as a potential. So they've diagnosed this kid with executive function challenges and no anxiety and no dyslexia and no, 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 no. And they never, and it's like, you read it and it looks like it's ADHD. It's pretty clear to me, but they missed it completely because there's this bias against identifying and, and treating girls mm-hmm. with ADHD yep. that's very different from boys. Yeah. Yes. Well, you got, you've heard my story, but, um, you know, we'll tell it, <laughs> tell it again from my own daughter, you know, who was diagnosed when she was 14. And at that time, I had been, um, you know, the founder and director of the local support group for parents of ADHD kids. Okay. I was a certified ADHD coach teaching parenting classes you know, on, on complex kids or, you know, kids who have ADHD. Um, I took her to our pediatrician, who was the co-founder of the ADHD <laughs> parent support group here in Kansas City, and who knows that her two brothers have ADHD and that her mother has ADHD. Never once screened her for ADHD when she started feeling depressed and anxious. Took right. her to my psychiatrist, who also knows that <laughs> I have ADHD, and she never screened her either until several months of like you know, depression and anxiety therapy, different medications, a lot of pain, basically, for her. And for the family, let's be honest, right? Because none of this ever happens in a vacuum. Yes. A lot of second guessing, a lot of, is is this just normal, like teenage girl behavior? She's our only girl and lots of other things that happen, you know, in our lives right around that time. But yeah, sure enough. I mean, she has ADHD and I should have known. I mean, that's the should that I'll take. (laughs) I should have known. And I totally miss it. But so did every other medical professional in our circle. That's why, because girls are good at hiding. Girls are yes. good at pretending that everything's okay. We're good at mimicking. We're good. I remember as a child watching other girls to see how they spoke to each other and the things that they would say. And I would like write down things to say because I are funny things, you know, to say because I just, I had no idea how to do that. I was young for my grade. I have an, a late August birthday and in Kansas, the cutoff is like September 1. So I was always like the youngest in my grade. And I was always the tallest in my grade. <laughs> I was never the but tallest, yes, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm with you on the youngest. Gotcha Fourth there. grade for about a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're, we're smart too. Like, I mean, right. No one ever looked at us and said, oh, she's falling behind, you know, or she's not doing well in this area, yeah. this area, because academically we're both doing great. Right. Um, but I just remember that discomfort and that knowing that I didn't know how to do what they were doing, but I wanted to, I really wanted to be able to figure it out. And so that's, how, I mean, girls put on good ads. Well, so, yeah, so talk sure. about that for a minute, because I, I want to segue into that if we can, because the story about your, your daughter is really profound. What is it that parents can look for in girls that feels different than the stereotypical boy ADHD, you know? So many things. Um, I mean, one, if someone's in the family, there's so many things, right? Well, I mean, just, just from the get-go, if anyone in the family also has ADHD, just screen the girl, screen who, I mean, screen everybody really at that point. I mean, it shouldn't even be a, a question. It should be part of like your <laughs> annual physical or something, I think. Because it used um, to be 50%. Let me just interrupt real quick, Jeremy. It used to be a 50% likelihood. Hey. Now I just read from something Dr. Barkley sent that it's now a 70 to 80% likeliness. Wow. 
a coexistence. So that if your sibling, if a sibling or a parent, parent, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, highly heritable, as we say. Highly, yes. <laughs> yeah, so the odds are always really, really good that <laughs> someone else in the family has it. And girls, you know, you see, gosh, I don't know if you had this on your, because it can go both ways. I hate to, 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 to say some of the more obvious stuff because, I mean, the girl with inattentive type ADHD does get missed as well. But the girl with hyperactive type or combined type usually is hypersocial, like very talkative, you know, and gets in trouble for talking too much in class or writing notes too much in class or, you know, just bouncing her leg or clicking her pen too much, that kind of thing. Um, but nobody ever thinks ADHD when the girl's doing that. We see, gosh, I'm trying to think what else. Girls who often girls who are missing social cues, as you said, like they're not they're If you get distracted in a conversation and you come back and you don't know what the girls are talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. My daughters used to come home and say, or my, one of my daughters would come home and she'd say, I have no idea what they're talking about, mom. <laughs> like, I just know, yeah. no clue. Right. Oh. And I remember the same feeling at that age. It's like, I'm just going to stand here and smile because I really don't know what they're saying, but I'm, I want to be part of it. I just yeah. don't know what it is. Yes, exactly. But how do you translate that into gosh, I mean, you'd have to be really watching closely, I would think. And that's probably and listening. why. Yeah, why girls get missed. Um, the, the other thing that, that jumps out for me, Jeremy, I don't know what your experience was, is full disclosure for me, early sexuality, yeah, early use of, of substances, yep. right? Using So I see ADHD as a stimulation-seeking sure. yeah. situation, condition. Mm-hmm. And as yeah. a young teen, a preteen and an early teen, I was seeking stimulation, mm. right? And sexuality was a great way to explore it because it gave me a sense of control. Yep. And I think that there's when you see a lot of control behaviors, it, uh-huh. it's a compensation for feeling out of control in some ways. Does that resonate for you? Oh, absolutely. But ideally, we would catch girls before they even get to that age. And I would catch yes. Ideally. Eight speeding tickets when I was 14, like our, our family insurance agent. Wow. Not that no should have been a sign. Right. <laughs> Back then, you know, I mean, they were just like, wow, she's really fast. <laughs> yeah, we had any clue that it was ADHD, but 10 years later, you know, my brother was diagnosed with ADHD, but it's right. just, and, you know, and thankfully my mom remembered enough about when I was little to say, oh yeah, you were just like your brother. So that when it came time to diagnose Theo, then I could, hey, <laughs> this sounds like me too. Okay. So it's hard to believe, but we need to start wrapping up this conversation which is sad oh. because you know, the three of us could sit and, and hang and out chat. for hours, right? We could, um, we have actually many times, but let's bring it back because the invitation yes. for your being here, the reason is because we posted something in the forum saying, you know, what do parents want to hear? And, and a lot of people said, we have a private forum for our members. And a lot of people said, we would love to hear success stories. And Jeremy was one of the first people to say, I'm on, you can count on me. Yeah. So what do you want parents to know? that would maybe invite them to to get the support they need? I don't know, whatever it is. What do you want them? What do you think they need to know? Gosh, I mean, you guys are so phenomenal. I I just think I can't stress enough how you meet everybody where they are. You know, you go, no one ever feels bad for sharing what they're thinking or what's happening in their home. Everyone feels understood and accepted and supported. And you just come right to them. And there's always something in there that that makes you feel good about what you're doing as a parent um, and gives you hope. And, you know, we've seen each of my kids is different. All of their ADHD, you know, kind of presents differently. And yet, Every parenting group I've been to, every sanity school session I've listened to has something in it 
that has been able to help us parent each kid differently. And so I don't know how you guys do it, honestly, but there's, there's, there's something that you do that applies somehow to all kinds of, of complex presentations. And I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about the parent and how you help the parent to feel supported and to know that they're doing the best job that they can and that that's okay. You know, that everything is going to get better. And the, the whole thing about positivity too, is just so important. You know, I've been a person who's been around negativity a lot of my life and that it seems like a small shift, but it's so important. I think Diane, you used to talk about how negativity feels like that heavy winter coat <laughs> that you have to wear in summer. I think about that all the time, you know, and it just magnifies everything and tiny little shifts, like at the beginning of our conversation, kind of that reframe and the ways that we think of ourselves and our parents parenting skills and our kids makes all the difference, this huge ripple effect down the line. So I think those are the predominant things. What else? It does get better. <laughs> it gets different. You know, if your kids are still little, it does get better. I, it never, you know, my Thea, like I said, he does have autism, which is a little bit of a, a complication, but, you know, we never thought he'd be able to drive. He drives himself to school. You know, he may be able to go and live on his own. You know, we, we didn't think he'd be able to do a lot of things that he's able to do. And it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how much you can grow as a person when you're willing to step back and change what you're doing to see how your kid can thrive. That makes sense. Yeah, it's little tweaks. And as, as you're speaking, what's coming up for me is, you know, the three of us have a lot of same age kids between the th- our three families, as well as you, you kept having them. But, <laughs> but we have, so we've gone through this parenting journey together for the last decade in yeah. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And there's something about being in a community with other parents who are yes. going through what you're going through. And sharing yes. that experience, whether you have ADHD as a parent or you don't, I'm looking at Diane and Jeremy, but <laughs> right, there's like, we've been doing this together. And I think Diane and I are still doing it with you, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. You're the first people I call. I mean, like, because <laughs> we're still doing it too. We're still, we're still doing it too. I mean, we, we call each other all the time. I mean, it's right. sort of, okay, we're celebrating this or we're struggling with that or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We get we're not done, that it's a journey. And, and it's almost like doing this together brings the joy into the journey. Well, and I love what you said, Jeremy. Like, change what you're doing. Step back mm-hmm. and watch your kid drive. I mean, I think that that's... I love that. I love that. Thank you. Jeremy, I know you're doing some really exciting work in your mm-hmm. master's program. You want to share a little bit about what you're doing and what you're focused on now? Love to hear it. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. So I, I'm getting my master's in social work. Primarily, the, the initial plan was to be able to diagnose adults, mostly women with ADHD, because there's just not enough um, trained professionals in the Kansas City area, or we have a lot of people who will diagnose but won't treat. So I want to make sure that I can put together um, a practice that helps support, you know, pretty much every aspect of ADHD treatment for adults. Um, And so part of my internship ended up being out at the Johnson County Jail, where I was surprised to learn that uh, about 70, well, the numbers differ depending on who you talk to, but about 70% of people who are currently living in detention also have ADHD. Um, And if you think about it, it makes perfect sense, particularly if you apply that whole three to five year developmental delay, you know, and the majority of those people who, who have ADHD have never been diagnosed or if they were diagnosed as kids, um, it was poorly managed, you know, and um, and there's horrific stories out there. So that seems to me to be a a real need. So that's my kind of next passionate area of focus. And and alongside that, a lot of people, as you touched on earlier, 
with ADHD also end up with um, addiction issues and substance use disorder, trying to self-medicate, you know, I'm trying to, trying to balance out what's going on in my mind. And for whatever reason, this makes me feel calm. You know, it may be illegal and I may need a lot more of it going forward and I may do stupid things to get it, um, but it helps me for whatever reason. Well, really you have ADHD, you know, and, and there's something that, that you can have that's your doctor can push back that, that helps. That's probably going to be a lot safer for you and you can pick up some skills to go with that. So that's my new, my new area of passion and strength. And I wanted to circle back one, one more time if we have time. Yep. You know, my youngest, as you guys know, was recently diagnosed with ADHD and autism. And um, what's funny is that because of everything that we learned from you guys, and Elaine, you were the one that said it, he had grown up in such an accommodated environment that we hadn't even realized we were providing accommodations for a young child with ADHD. But again, we totally missed the ADHD until he went to, went to school. And it was it was pretty obvious then. And I just, I don't know, that, that's a success to me because I, we, I, mean, I beat myself up over Sophie missing her entirely, but you know, I've, I've done a lot of work with that one. But with Josh, that's a huge success to me. We unknowingly created this wonderful environment for him to thrive in based on the skills that you guys had taught us. And we had no idea <laughs> that he was going to be just like everybody else. So I just had to throw that out there because it was such a cool thing. Yeah, it is an amazing, amazing thing. And that's the work here. That's what the Coach Approach is about. It's about creating an environment that allows these kids to reach their potential and to be successful and to feel great about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that environment shifts when we shift. Yeah. Right. And that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So thank you. Jeremy, thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been a fun, fun fun conversation. Do you want to... Leave us with a favorite quote or a motto. Oh, gosh. No. <laughs> I can't think of anything good. You guys say so many good things. Calling the chaos in your home. <laughs> I mean, calm and chaos are two such fabulous words. <laughs> we have right. a lot and, of you, and you can. You can calm the chaos in your home. I think yeah. that's, that's the message. That's a good quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chaos is fun sometimes, but not always. <laughs> as long as you know it's got an end point. Right. <laughs> yep. Thanks. All Karen. right, everybody. Thank you all for listening, for tuning in. For uh, Jeremy, thank you so much for, for joining us and for being with us for this last yeah. almost decade. It's And looking forward to more. Those of you listening, if you're listening, this is being recorded in 2021. If you're listening in the future, stay tuned because there's going to be some fun stuff coming after Jeremy gets her, her master's. We do some interesting work around ADHD and potentially addiction and some of these other issues. So circle back. And until then, anything else you want to say, Di? Yep, I'm set. Thanks, everybody, for all you're doing for kids and for yourself. Remember, you are making a difference. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.